Hello everybody! Happy holidays and welcome back to Kinda Radical for my December episode. Um, I'm super excited for today's episode. We have a guest. It's one of my good friends from college. Her name is Serena Kiroga. She also has her own podcast called Lead with Meraki and I'm gonna link where you can listen to that in the description of this video. But this is just a quick little intro to say hello and thank you for listening and I hope you have a good, hope you had a good Thanksgiving and will in the future have a good month of December and holidays and you're staying warm. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and start this interview with my good friend Serena Kiroga. Thanks for listening, guys. Hi, Serena. Hi, Franny. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to my podcast, Kind of Radical. Kind of radical to be here. Thank you. Such a good play on words. You know, I'm I'm with that. I have my own too. <laughs> you are. So this is everyone welcome Serena. Yay. <laughs> she uh Serena and I went to the same college together and we were on the soccer team together. That we were. Yeah. And we were also in the same sorority together for the majority of college, but not all wait, was it the majority? I did it for two years. Okay. Well, I was only there for two years, so yeah. the, majority, the majority of my college experience. Not like the majority. Yeah. <laughs> so we were sorority sisters and teammates. Um, we had a lot in common. And we, you always supported me in my DEI stuff and helped me. And I always appreciated it so much. And I think we have to tell this that when I started my podcast mm-hmm. or when I wanted to start my podcast, like I wanted to start it like a year ago. And right when I wanted to start it, I knew I was like, I just know Serena needs to be aware of this. Like mm-hmm. she eventually needs to be a guest. I just, I knew yeah. you were one of the standout people that needed to know about this. So eventually when I got everything started and I was getting it rolling, I texted you. I said, just wanted to let you know I'm starting a podcast. Mm-hmm. her response was me too no way, me too <laughs> was, oh my god no way it's like we're on the same wavelength <laughs> it was crazy we both started a podcast at the same time great transition for Serena please give a pl- plug for your podcast let everyone know where they can listen to it what it is what it's about yes um so I have a podcast called the Mayrocky podcast um Meraki is a Greek word that means to do something with soul, creativity, and passion. So through the series, I essentially just interview entrepreneurs, creatives, change makers, really just anyone in a variety of industries who's really passionate about what they do. So um, it's been really cool to kind of use that platform to one, just like network and talk to people I wouldn't normally talk to. Um, but also generate dialogue in a lot of different industries, um, especially as someone who just got out of college. Like, obviously, we all know networking is so important. And so it really just like bridges gaps and like helps me to connect with people, but also connect people to each other, which is what I love doing. Um, and I really just want to inspire people to stop hating their lives, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. like, 
it's like life is too short to like not enjoy ourselves and if we're gonna spend a third of our life working like spend it doing things that you actually believe in whether that's like just a hobby or a passion project or like making your passion your actual career so yeah I basically just interview people who do that and then I also incorporate a lot of psychology and neuroscience into it and explain like the neuroscience of motivation and how to have better habit formation and stuff like that so watch it on youtube spotify trying to get it on apple music still in progress but That's i do video fun. and audio episodes so and do you like doing the video episodes because that's something i do not do yeah it's cool so i've only done three so far um the first five ep- no i've done four video the first five episodes were just audio and that's kind of like i was doing i had a learning curve obviously it does the edit was oh it's hard and now it's getting easier but like i'm not a am not a tech savvy person whatsoever yeah. and one of my goals out of college was to learn how to use my computer or with organization and like actually well and then also like how to edit and how to video record and combine video with audio and edit audio so it's definitely been a learning curve. Um, obviously, audio podcasting is a lot easier. Um, but what I have noticed with video is like one, once you're done editing, the outcome is just so satisfying and like you yeah. feel so professional. <laughs> like, whoa, that's me. But also like it just does better analytically too. Yeah, it definitely does. I've seen that. Yeah. So I don't oh. know, I'm just doing a healthy balance no you're good I'm doing a healthy balance between the two and like figuring out how often do video how often do audio and yeah well that's cool that's something that I I'm also not technologically savvy at all and (laughs) I just simply decided video's too hard for me learning curve or not so (laughs) I struggled enough with just the audio but so you talk about wanting people to make work their passion what do you do for work yeah so I feel like I have to explain my education a little bit um explain whatever you need to girl okay okay period (laughs) so I studied neuroscience and psychology in college Hmm. um it was perfect for me I absolutely loved it um I was on the pre-med track that was not perfect for me or cute but we did it um (laughs) I thought I was gonna go to medical school and into my senior year I would probably say like February of my senior year I had a big realization like oh shit oh can I swear yeah you can swear okay oh shit like I don't want to be a doctor and I like I think if I was in any other country like I would be a doctor for sure but it's just something about the US of A healthcare system that I don't fully agree with. So as I started taking more like medical ethics courses and learning about like the insurance behind everything and like I was working as a medical assistant for a um, trauma center as well and just seeing like the administrative side of medicine and doctors are just so rushed and you don't actually get to form real relationships with people and one of my biggest things is like, I love 
I love meeting people. I love learning about people. I just want to help people. And so I just didn't feel like it was truly the right path for me anymore. And I'm like very creative and entrepreneurial. And so I knew as a doctor, like I'd kind of lose that part of me. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh my God, I'm graduating. I don't know what I'm doing now. (laughs) Um, So then I was jobless all summer. Well, I was nannying, but it was a really bad situation. The family didn't treat me so well. So I ended up quitting and then just didn't have a job for a while. And and I had so much fun. I should have been more panicked than I was, but you know, it worked out. So I didn't have a job for like probably a month and a half. And then I randomly got an email from this company the company that sent me to study abroad they're they're called cis abroad and they basically said like hey like you were one of our star students like you were an ambassador for us and you did a great job like we'd love if you would apply for this new position and i was like well i don't have a job so why not <laughs> and i applied and the interview process took like three weeks and i could kind of tell early on that i was a top applicant because i was an alumni Um, and I ended up getting hired. So now I work for an international education company called CIS Abroad. Um, and they're like a third party company that sends students to study abroad all over the world. Um, so I basically just help students pick which programs they want to do, find which countries best suit them based on like, whether like their setting and their major. I talk to parents on the phone and students, and then I get to travel with the company and stuff to our onsite campuses. So it's been really cool. I like it a lot. It's a great job as a transition out of college. I don't think it's my career, but in the meantime, it's making me money and I work remotely. Well, that's good. And that you know that and you're not complacent, but like satisfied with where you are now. Good for you. Yeah. That's very Meraki of you. Yes, it is. And (laughs) that's kind of like where that came from too. Like, I think I grew up always like, I was a very curious kid, sometimes a little too nosy. And I noticed very early on about the whole like rat race that we live in, you know, that whole, I'm not going to get too conspiracy theory on y'all, but like, I think I just realized very early on like how the system worked and a lot of people like hate their jobs and hate their lives because of their jobs and I knew I never I was so scared of like falling into a job that I hated just because it like paid the bills yeah so that's kind of why like I found Meraki when I was um scrolling on Pinterest like the word just came up And because I work in international education and like I work with a lot of different languages and stuff, I just was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I kind of want to just like talk about it. And I was never planning on starting a podcast. It kind of just happened. And then I just had an idea and I was like, oh, cool. And then I just kept doing it. And now I don't know. It feels like there's like an inner force, like having me do it because I know it'll bring opportunity. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's been cool. I like it. It's a huge learning curve, but well, that's great. It sounds like things are going really well for you. Um, the last thing I want to bring up before we start, and we didn't talk about this in our pre-podcast debrief. Okay. But I think it was like around March. 
on the Saturday morning and it was early for me because I'm two hours behind you you called me you like FaceTime me and it was the first time since I had left college that someone from school had FaceTimed me and I had very little friends at that point pretty much everyone had stopped talking to me and you called me and we talked and you were like I was just walking and I was thinking about you and I want to hear how you're doing and catch up and it pretty much made my day my week my month and I don't know I think about that day a lot that was one of the sweetest things you could have done and that a lot to me because I I feel like that's what I've noticed like everyone just like wants to be seen you know like I want to be seen I want to be acknowledged like it's like the little things that matter to people and like I don't know like like do you remember that affected you that much and like now we're talking once again and I'm like wait that's so cute (laughs) I know but that did affect me and I remember I was with my boyfriend and after I got off the phone I was just like he was like oh that was really nice and I was like you have no idea like that was beyond nice like that was the best thing that could have happened and so I don't know thank you I'm I'm so glad you're here and I'm so excited to do this you're such a great guest to have on the show thanks Franny I'm so proud of you and I'm excited to dive into this topic and get hot with it (laughs) we are okay should we start yes let's do it so to kick off this podcast informational section (laughs) um we've now introduced Serena's podcast and we're going to kind of transition that into how that's related to my podcast and feminism, how that relates to women's rights and why this is a women's rights issue. Mm -hmm. So using what you know about your area of expertise, please tie that into women's rights for all of the kind of radical listeners. Yeah, I definitely can. I think when you reached out to me to, to come on here, like, obviously, I know you're big into DEI. And I love that the, the topics that you talk about on here. Um, and it definitely ties into podcasting, because podcasting is growing at an exponential rate right now. And it's bigger than it's ever been. Um, I think there's like 90 million weekly listeners across all platforms just in the US. Oh um, so it's definitely growing, especially since the pandemic. But um, one of the big things about podcasting is that 70% of podcast creators are male. Yeah. So there's a huge gap and imbalance in just the creator atmosphere as far as podcasting goes. And I think a lot of that has to do with like, you know, like podcasting is kind of tech savvy and like women aren't typically associated with being techie and like knowing how to do all of those things. And like, you know, podcasting is a lot of work. Like it's a heavy workload. It It is. It takes a lot to like produce and it's journalism, you know, but at a different scale. And obviously it has a lot of potential to reach a lot of people because of how big the listener um, like crowd is growing. Um, But an interesting stat is that like 70% of podcast creators are male, but 48% of monthly podcast listeners are female. And so like the fact that there's more and more women that are listening to podcasts about half, but they don't have a lot of ways to listen to other women creators because there's only 30% of them. 
Um, and most women, I think it's like nine out of 10 female monthly listeners, um, report, um, listening to at least one podcast that's hosted by women, but also struggle with like finding good podcasts that are hosted by women. And they do wish that there were more. Um, and so I think like, just in the, in general, you see this a lot in media and like, even in photography, like a lot of the previously male dominated, dominated industries are starting to, the spindle starting to move. Yeah. And, um, like, I don't know if you know Alex Earl, but like, I love her, her podcast. Yeah. Her podcast is great. Hot mess. Like you should check it out. And like, hers is super fun. And I like, talk about it on my podcast all the time. Yes. And like, she just, um, her podcast was just like number one, most anticipated in the world. Yes, it was. And, and like that, I don't know. I just feel like it kind of goes to show like, and all of her, most of her listeners are female you know right. and so like, she like addresses she's always like you girls like she addresses as if the audience is only right. female right exactly and so like there's a need for that you know like people want that people crave like open dialogue I think since COVID people are just over the whole like social media tactic of influencers because everything just feels so fake like you always know like someone's just probably getting paid for that post and trying to sell you something and so people, I think, are transitioning out of, like, short-form advertisement-type-style videos and want, like, real conversation about real topics because the world is blowing up right now. So, right, yeah, I think it's just really important, like, as female creators, especially in the podcast space, like, collaborating like we're doing now and continuing to be those bridges among other female creators. And, like, that's what I really like about my podcast is like, I get to meet a lot of people through it. And one of the biggest things I want to be is like a connector for people. Like if I think you're going to be a good person to meet like another person I interviewed, like I want to make that introduction for you because if you're winning, I'm winning because we're female creators. So. Yeah. And I think being a creator is being an entrepreneur. Um, We're just following our passions and this is a big jump from what you said but this is kind of just what popped into my head I think that honestly the reason that 70% of podcast creators are male is because when women have more free time following their passions and things that they do in their free time is a lot different than what men do and are allowed to do and they for them like creating or being an entrepreneur is much more available whereas for a woman you might need to do more typically gendered things you might have to focus on children you have to clean you have to do other things you have to keep like get ahead in work get ahead in school whereas a man would take time to like create and be an entrepreneur and yes. so that's also something for that for women a lot of times say that one more time I'm sorry there's not a lot of room for women you're right to like be able to do these creative endeavors because they have this like added just baggage not baggage not that kids are baggage but like you know what I mean like it's on a responsibility yeah, exactly is just takes up more time and whereas like a man would have more free time to explore like new creative outlets right. and hobbies yeah podcasting is a 
is a severe hobby. It takes up a lot of time, like we've talked about. Um, that's also something that I looked into. This article, um, it was written by Jennifer Kudali on legal jobs. It says 62% of w- women business owners are between 40 and 59 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that a podcast necessarily is a business, but there's a similarity there between like entrepreneurship, this, no, I don't know. That word has too many vowels in it. <laughs> um, There's like a, a line, a clear like string connecting the two of them. Um, And I think that 40 to 52, 59 is what it said, is a clearly later in life, like you and I are, what you're like 22 21 20 okay oh oh I'm 21 too (laughs) um so that's obviously later in life I think there's a lot of things that come in a woman's younger years that she needs to focus on and once kids come into the picture a female's free time for hobbies and careers severely go downhill right but once they're 40 or 59 and they get older, they have more time to start things like creating a podcast or creating a business or starting something, starting a passion and like being able to follow that passion. Yep. So I think that's interesting. And I also agree to you. I like to listen to podcasts for women by women. I like Alex Earl's podcast because she addresses me as a girl. And I, and it like, it reminds me of just like talking with my friends, mm-hmm. but I can't listen to like, joe rogan's podcast the same way and he has the most followed most successful 30 million dollars a year podcast yeah but that's not made for me right and i think there's another huge factor that goes into this which honestly like was a big factor for me when i was starting was i think girls and women are raised often to worry about what people think of them And worry about people's perceptions of them and making sure they're upholding like a certain reputation or like aura, right? And so men don't typically have that like added mental piece to it. They kind of just like do things and are not so concerned about like how it's going to make them look. And so because women do that, I can totally see that kind of being a barrier to like wanting to start these things. Because like, I mean... I don't know a lot of girls who start a podcast, you know, like, yeah, I'm kind of like the only one besides like Alex Earl and like these famous people that like, I directly know is doing this in my vicinity. And so like, I definitely was like, kind of scared at first of like, okay, I have to get my branding perfect. And I have to like, have the highest quality, like audio and video, because otherwise, like, I'll look stupid, or I have to make sure like, I have the most hard hitting questions. And that it delayed my start for like four months. And eventually my boyfriend was like, you just need to start. Like you just got to start your first episode. Your first season is not going to be good. It The first time you do anything is not going to be good, right. but like the more you do it and the more you become consistent at it, like it, it will get better. And you can't worry about what people are going to think because I mean, it really doesn't matter. You know, like if this is something you want to do, then like, who cares? You're bringing, you're doing it out of passion to bring value to other people. Like there's really nothing you can criticize about that. Yeah. And I mean, I agree. I was like, terrified to start this podcast. And yeah. 
the first few episodes I re-recorded and re-recorded and re-recorded and I mean I think being nervous is not a gendered feeling um but I think that there is something to uphold of just like I can't mess up yeah like it's the the same goes for like any minority I feel like but if I'm trying to do something there's just like just the slightest bit of feeling is like me as a woman can't mess up because that makes you as a woman less likely to succeed yeah so if my podcast goes bad Serena's podcast is going to be bad or if Serena's podcast is bad well of course Franny's podcast is going to be bad like you know like obviously incomparable but I think that that's the thinking sometimes and certainly goes through my head is like even as I'm speaking or as I'm about to speak gosh I hope I don't sound stupid or I hope I say this right and it's just Mm -hmm. like constantly on my mind like this needs to be perfect and on top of all that my podcast is about feminism and femininity right so I feel even more pressured to say that as perfectly as I can to be like culturally correct and grammatically correct and I mean cancel culture is obviously a very real thing and while I don't like fully agree with it I mean really at all to be honest like I do it's obviously the pressure's there especially as women especially like as creators you know like you creating podcast is it just a form of art you know and yeah you're openly being vulnerable to the world and allowing anyone to come in and like listen to your thoughts and that is opening a door to judgment but it was it was like the the point of getting past that and being like all right I really don't care I know that the right people are going to eventually find it and support it it's going to make me connections and I'm going to be able to express my way and in, in myself in a way I haven't expressed myself before in a new medium so why not try something and even if you fail in my opinion failure is not like an actual thing you only fail if you give up you know right. and because like everything you do is you're gonna mess up and you're gonna have to learn from it and then that's when you pivot but mm-hmm. That's why, like, this whole learning curve, like, I, I originally did this just so I can, one, get better at technology, two, and, and two, network, and three, express myself in new ways. And, like, that's exactly what's happened. Has every episode been perfect? Have I re-recorded a million bajillion times? Yeah. And then I have to check myself. And I'm like, all right, no, people want to see me for me, and people want to see me be authentic, not have this scripted thing where I say it perfectly. So I think that's definitely, like, helped just ease my nerves and really hone in on like what do I believe I'm a smart woman I went to college I got my degree like I am worth being listened to yeah and if I show up like that other people will be inspired to show up like that too yeah and I think other women will be inspired to show up like that and I think I would also like to tie this back um podcasting for women is growing and women in entrepreneurial positions is growing. Women are starting their own businesses. Women are more likely to own small businesses than men. Um, I think that women owning a business has increased by 5% since for over like last, like almost 30 years. Um, And then in the last 20 years, 
female, oh yeah, female business owners has increased 114% in the last 20 years. So something is going right. And I'm not arguing it that there's not, and I'm not going to pretend like we live in like the sixties where women can't own a business or have a podcast. Yeah. I like there's clearly change and things are getting done and it's going well, but it's like clear to note the differences and the accept the eased acceptance at which males might be found in this creative entrepreneurial space is not always the case like for women it comes with a lot more strings attached and a lot more pressure whether self-inflicted or peer inflicted it's necessary to know and we have to like even if we do follow these creative passions we know well if I want to have kids maybe I have to stop because my attention has to go to the kids and the man has to work And so you feel an obligation to not be able to fully hold your truest self because you have to sacrifice yourself for your kids or for your family or for others, because that's what's expected. And I'm not saying that's wrong, Yeah. but it, it is just coming from a place of disadvantage. And it's really cool to see that more and more women are starting these businesses at a younger age too. Uh huh. And then I think a lot of female create creators post children mm-hmm. create about children and they create their blogs and recipes for family dinners and their podcasts and YouTubes about their kids and how crazy their life is. And which is great. And there needs to be content on that. That's that's incredible. But. There's not a lot of dad with dads with kids content you know it's different like maybe the mom will make their youtube family blog and the dad is free to make his own content about his passions that are separate from his children which his passions are still his children but do you do you understand what i'm saying like yeah oh yeah i'm just gonna stop no and like i think there's also I think the genres that women tend to be associated with aren't taken seriously. So like women, so the top podcast genre for women is comedy and then it's true crime and then it's love and relationships. And unfortunately, true crime podcasts go hard. Yeah, they're so good. They're really good. It's like a fascination with just fucked up things. <laughs> Um, I I think there's an aspect of oh well if women are creating for women like obviously it's not going to be popular among everyone because men aren't going to want to listen to that but then it makes me like why don't men want to listen about about what women care about mm-hmm. like it's it's dumb do you want to know I think I have maybe five men that have listened to my podcasts that are like within my life because they are not looking to listen to something that says this is a podcast about my kind of radical views on feminism. Yeah. And the only time that a man seems interested in my podcast is this infuriates me Mm. is if he says, let me be a guest, I'll argue my side of feminism or I'll Mm -hmm. argue a man's perspective 
or I'll tell you why a man disagrees with what you have to say. Automatically, without even knowing what you're going to talk about. Yep. Without, without knowing anything, they just, they just want to be part of my content to argue it from a different perspective. They don't want to listen to what I have to say because it's a for a woman by, or for, by a woman for women. That's it for them. And Barbie, the movie Barbie, they, a lot of men didn't like it because it wasn't for them. Which is unfortunate because, because uh, it like, literally was for them. Femininity with anti-male, mm-hmm. and it's like, how come? And you see this in all forms of social justice. If you're pro something, it automatically means you're anti the opposite thing. And it's like, no, you can be pro something, but but also not being anti the opposite. Like there is space for both. And well, we're seeing that happen right now in a war going on across the world right. there are people angry right because saying that you disagree with something that's going on means that you must agree with the opposite right or even politics in the u.s like you have your democrats and you have your conservatives and it is a a war between the two and it's like well oh if you're a democrat i'm gonna automatically hate you or if you're a conservative, I'm going to automatically hate you without even knowing why you believe what you believe, what you actually believe. And like, the thing is, is like, that's what society wants is to further drive us into division. And it's really unfortunate because men should be open to wanting to know about why we think the way we do. If you want to have kids and she's going to be the mother of your children, you need to know what her mental state is like, because that is what your children are being taught, you mm-hmm. know, and you need to work together to to implement like common values and core beliefs and if you don't even take the time to understand like why do women come from struggle what's the history of that what is just microaggressions that we face every single day in our daily lives fears that we have to just live with like holding pepper spray everywhere we go because we're scared of leaving our car by ourselves right you know it's just the world we live in and it's it's nice to see when men are intentional about that, but it's unfortunate to see that there's not more men that are. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, to get on track just a little bit, I don't, whether they listen to every episode of my podcast and every episode of yours, I don't think they'd ever truly understand. Um, Though the effort would be appreciated. Yeah. Looks like effort's all you can do. Like, obviously I don't expect you to know my lived experience as a woman, but- right maybe try to learn you could hear you could ask me questions and I could explain and then you'll be like oh that's that's a lot (laughs) yeah um I think this is a good time to transition into the second topic that you wanted to kind of bring up which was um so your major was psychology and what was the other thing you said neuro something neuroscience neuroscience um, and you had mentioned that you were interested in the like feminist view of the psych- familial psychology and kind of how that works. Can you kind of introduce that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a very complex topic. I won't say that I have a, I've done a thesis in it or anything, but it's something I think about a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took this class called Neuroscience of Reward in my senior seminar and we kind of just talked a lot about the psyche and what our different 
things or attributes um, that different types of people hold in in the way that they're motivated in life, um, whether that be like ADHD or like different mental health disorders or even just the food that we eat, like just how everything contributes to our motivation. And so I definitely like just always think about, you know, how is my lived experience as a woman differently motivate me to do certain things? And like, obviously there's your stereotypical interests, you know, like your girly interests that like unite us, right? But I think there's still a lot of science developing around the psyche and consciousness and how even just gender identity and sexuality contribute a lot to the way that you view yourself, your self-perception, the way you interact with people. Also like, for example, like if you grow up with a mother who is insecure, more than likely you're gonna, you, you take on some of that weight, right? Like you, your parents directly, their mental state directly projects onto the person that you're going to be. Mm -hmm. And so just thinking about like, okay, like the fact that we're not that far removed from our, and like our grandmothers or our great grandmothers who didn't have rights when they were born. Like what, what is that? How, how has that cultivated into our psyche? Because the thing is, is like generational trauma is very real. There's a lot of science around generational trauma within the black community, but Mm -hmm. I haven't seen as much within women. Right. And, and we know that it exists. So I'm just really interested to kind of like hypothesize and see, and even just through our own experiences, like how how do our parents views especially specifically our mother's views like affect who we became as a person and and so on as the generations go back right like maybe we transition from more of a traditional subservient role as women and are now transitioning out of that into more boss women starting our own businesses wanting to be independent and the amount of time it's taken the fact that we're in 2023 and those numbers are just starting to rise. Right. Says a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, about generational trauma, I, I, this is not something that I study the psychology side of stuff. So I'm really out of my element here. Uh, I believe that the worst thing that can happen to a woman, like the most traumatic experience a woman could have is like a brutalized rape. Um, I think that would be a really interesting study about how that goes down through generations and how that affects women because, and also how it does, or I would presume does not affect men. If a mother who has experienced something like that has a son and a daughter, how that would be different in each of their development based on gender and that generational trauma. Well, and the really crazy part about this, and the reason this is a neuroscience topic and not just like a psychology anthropology topic is because like science shows that these adverse extreme abuses and experiences, specifically in childhood also, can Mm -hmm. modify your body and have imprints even on your reproductive cells, on, on your mRNA, on your genetic code like it can on a neuronal level change the way you think and experience the world and 
that's terrifying because like, I mean, I don't have a stat for this, but it seems like almost every woman I know has experienced some form of sexual abuse. Oh, that's, there is no stat needed there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, no matter how little it is, if she tells, if a girl tells me she had an uncomfortable experience, I mean, if my coworker comes into work and says, some guy just followed me for an hour and a half on the bus, that there's not, a guy's not going to come in and say that. No. Like, that's nearly universal for women. Right. And these types, so the thing about it is like, so women are predisposed to constantly be on fight or flight mode, right? Like our amygdala is constantly activated and that's not good, you know? And like, so when comparing women's brains to men's brain, it'd be really interesting to see like how this amygdala activation increases our lifetime susceptibility to anxiety and to depression. Women are more susceptible to anxiety and depression than men are overall. And like also with the rise of technology and social media, like just people in general, also we're seeing a rise in that. But right, right, right. right, like the fact that women already had that and it's only being elevated is something to think about. And do you think that that, predisposition for women is biological or is socially constructed in the way that they're raised versus the way that boys are raised in in that girls are taught to hold their keys between their hands and that girls are taught to look over their shoulders whereas a boy isn't or is that biologically natural I think it's both I think it's nature and nurture like as is everything but I mean if you think about our ancestors and like the way not even just the way women were treated when they didn't have rights, but even today, like we have to constantly do more and be perfect in order to get in the room. If you're in a room of power, you're more than likely going to be one of two or or the only female in that room. Right. And How we were just talking about women owning their own business and entrepreneurship. Right. And so there's this added pressure constantly of like needing to look smart, needing to be right and not mess up. Because if you mess up, then it, like you said, it, it messes things up for all other women who come after. And so we have this like elevated pressure to, to be at our best all the time. Well, and, and also the whole point of like, if we speak up for ourselves, we're um, being, oh, we're uh, bossy, but it, yeah, yeah. But men, if they do it, they're like strong, independent leaders, you know? Yeah. So like that whole perception of like, we constantly, we have to constantly think while we're acting about how we're being perceived. And like, our brains are not meant to be on overdrive like that. Like, yeah. that's not, we're supposed to just be. Right. And it's hard to just be when you know that you're being judged at every moment at an elevated level, all because you're a woman. Uh-huh. And that's scary. And it definitely is genetic. It definitely came like since the beginning of time, women haven't been treated equal. There's patriarchal concepts in the Bible, you know, and like whether you believe in that or not, like it's just a reality of the way women are treated. And so eventually over time, it definitely is genetic that fight or flight mode constantly being activated in our parasympathetic system. Like it's not, that's not how it's supposed to be. And yeah it's going to change our brain system and function over time. And I think it has, but 
we're learning ways to counteract that and like step into our power and use it to our advantage. That is very interesting. I think this is a really interesting discussion. Um, yeah. On more of the familial side, families aren't, there's no normal family. Um, I mean, divorce is common. People grow up in single family homes, mixed family homes. Um, I grew up with two moms. Like mm -hmm. things are changing. Um, but as for like, so I just want to talk about the family side of the psyche. If you are a boy raised by a single mom or a girl raised by two dads or a girl raised by a single mom and five sisters and how each of those things changes who you are. And that's severely a nurture over nature conversation. Um, to be honest, I think most femininity problems and problems with women's rights are nurture instead of nature problems. Um, but especially, I just wanted your take on I, that. Yeah, especially when it comes to self-concept and like body image. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, so many girls struggle with eating disorders yeah. and I mean, boys do too, but one, boys don't talk about it as much, but it definitely is more common in women because most body image standards apply to women, right? And And they're constantly changing is the thing. So like when our mothers grew up, there the standard was to be blonde and skinny as a stick um my mom has literally the most perfect body and she's always like oh I'm so jealous of your body because I'm so flat and skinny and I'm like mom no one likes my body like you have all the curves like you're in right now and she's like no 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 when I was right. growing up you were in yeah but so, it's flipped, but it's I, flipped. It is. now we're just like constantly conditioned to like look at the kardashians and think like oh we need to alter ourselves in order to be beautiful we need to get surgery which i'm not against it if that's what you want for yourself like i'm not one to judge but when that is the narrative that is constantly being pushed on young impressionable girls and minds it it concerns me because it's like you're made beautiful the way you are and like you need to love yourself before even having the ability to make that type of decision. Like you should never go into those decisions out of a place of hatred for what you are at its core. Right. And so like, yeah, the way that your own mother thinks of her own self and her body image is going to be directly imprinted onto you. And that's what contributes to that anxiety and depression and eating disorders is like, what Which are we teaching our girls? Yeah. And what we're teaching our girls is different based on who they're raised by and who they grew up with and who their siblings are. Mm -hmm. um, and then, oh, I did want to mention this too. Um, my last episode that I did was about gun violence. And basically the premise of the episode was that the way that boys are raised is a very violent culture, which leads them to lack like stable relationships that will steer them away from violence. Um, I just yesterday read this article about Kip and Kristen Kinkle. Mm -hmm. Kip Kinkle was a school shooter in Oregon um, mm -hmm. and his sister like suffered from it a lot. And they talked like 25 years, they talk like all the time, but they did this interview like 25 years later. And he's telling this guy, like my dad took me out shooting all the time. And she's like, no, he didn't. 
his sister says, no, he didn't. Like our mom didn't like guns. She didn't mm-hmm. approve of people having guns. And he said, no, he didn't approve of you having guns. Me and dad went to buy Mart and bought an automatic rifle and we'd go shooting in the woods every weekend. We'd go yeah. camping and we'd go hunting. And she mm-hmm. says, I had no idea because the gender divide. He literally says in the article, he says, I think that has to do with gender. Like we were raised differently because of gender. And I think that's what I mean about like familial psyche relations is that gendered um, childhood is so severe and it can so affect what's going on in your brain, who you're raised by and how you're raised and how, what stereotypes you're following um as a child can like severely affect you yeah and I mean obviously each family is different but I mean each family has a different set of traditions and beliefs and so if a family is more traditional and like I mean I have met girls who like they're like I go to college to find a husband and I like what is it ring by spring you know like especially like in the south too like that's like just what you do like oh, the tradition is to be an asset to the man. Mm-hmm. And like, personally, I'm very against that. Like, I'm the, oh. like I'm just so independent and I hate being subservient. So like, it like grinds my gears. But like, and there's no judgment for people who like want to live that traditional life. But I think it's important to notice like we are entering an era where that's not the majority as much anymore. And I think the reason I'm like that is because my mom always made sure I knew, like, don't rely on a man. Go get your education. Like, you can make money on your own. You don't need to, like, just marry rich. Like, you can be a rich man. You know, well, not a man. But, like, you know, I am a rich man. Like, Right. Yeah. And so, and that always motivated me, like, to have my own life and to, like, have my own ambitions and to really, like, be my own person. And that's important, you know, if you're going to like actually find who you are and then one day be a good mother, if that's what you want for yourself or not, like you need to know who you are. And that comes from the way you are raised. Now I'm an only, I'm an only kid. So well, I have a sister, but we didn't really grow up together. So I definitely was raised like an only child Yeah. and raised by my dad. So right. that in itself was like very different. And I could see in the situation that you just explained, like how there is a division between the boy and the girl and what they're taught to like mm-hmm. um, and how that transpires then into adulthood. Yeah, I I think it's a really interesting topic that, um, I mean, there are just so many different scenarios. Everyone's family is different. And I think if you grow up in a household that, doesn't accept you for who you are or teaches you something different than you know when your heart isn't true or that you morally don't accept it can be really hard to get out of that situation like extremely hard to get out of that because that's your family um but also if you do accept it like I was raised in a really accepting strong feminine household so obviously I agree with all those things people say things to me like oh of course you have two moms (laughs) yeah because I'm so such a strong feminist and they're like oh you must have two really strong female I like like oh of course just of course you have two moms like yeah I do but I mean I also have other 
a negative like people interpret that negatively yeah they do they use it as like a explanation for like who I am Mm -hmm. um like okay what do you mean by that I'm awesome yeah but I also have a brother who taught me a lot about more masculine side of things like I love sports I follow a lot of sports I talk to him about sports and that's something that we share in common a lot Mm -hmm. more so than like the other women in my family and what else like spider-man he really likes spider-man I don't talk to I don't talk to other girls about spider-man you know but like (laughs) Like, I always talk to my brother about Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the familial side of things is really interesting. Like I said, there's just, like, endless different, like, scenarios of, like, explanations of why people are who they are and why people do believe in women's rights versus why people would be against it versus, like, or, like, in those traditional type of households or more masculine households. Yeah, I think to end that kind of heavy topic on a positive note is like there are things you can do. Like even though it might be somewhat genetic or generational, like you can always break generational curses. You know, like you can do child uh shadow work. I've done a lot of that and like can you not explain a- what that is? Yeah, so some people think it's like not real, but it definitely is. I will fight you all day on that um basically like shadow work is you how do I explain this you're talking to your inner child and healing a form and version of yourself as a kid that was never healed so it's like you're the healer for the younger version of yourself um you give yourself a sense of comfort that maybe you didn't get as a kid and Mm -hmm. so like you could like it literally could be you doing like having prompted questions and you're looking at a picture of you as a kid um whether you like had trauma during that age or maybe it's just like something you experienced and like walking through how you remember thinking at that age why you thought the way you did how those situations impacted you and like you as a person now as an adult and how it's manifested into the way that you outwardly show yourself Um, and so it's like very detailed introspective work and like bringing in repressed memories from when you were a kid in order to like heal that side of you okay so doing that type of stuff like and and also just like having open conversations like this with other women is really important I remember in college there was um we had hosted an open just like space about sexual assault and like a bunch of girls came and we it was like a confidential safe space where we all just like shared our experience with sexual assault and like it was appalling to know everyone in that room had a different and unique and terrible experience as a woman and like it it brought a lot of healing to be in a safe space like that with other people who know what you're talking about you feel very validated and so creating those types of communities can be really important and can be really healing for you. Um, and yeah, it like encourage people to just do that and work on yourself and encourage your mom to go to therapy. If that's not something she believes in, or like, you know, just create new opportunities for safe, safe spaces about mental health and just what it's like being a woman, a woman. Mm-hmm. I agree with all of that. That was 
a really nice note to end on. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Okay. But that was a great discussion. I think there was a lot of good that was said there. You too. And Thank you for thinking of me and bringing me on here. I had a lot of fun. Of course. Um, I do have one last question for you before we go. You posted your Spotify wrapped today. I did. Bridget Mendler? <laughs> Bridget fucking Mendler was on it. Dude, you don't it. Think I was your you top three artist. You know what my top song of the year was? What? Atlantis by Bridget Mendler. Oh my god. 4,000 minutes of that song. Of that song? Oh. Dude, I don't know. That song is like crack for me. Like... <laughs> I listen I, on. I keep seeing TikToks about Bridget Mendler recently. People think she's going to run for president. <laughs> I hope she does. I'll vote for her. She's incredible. Yeah, she I've has... been listening to her since Lemonade Mouth. I have oh. her CD. Like I love her. Um. Yeah, she went to MIT and Harvard, and she got like a Harvard Law degree, and she's on like the board of space law at Harvard, and. Yep. She's she insane. said, fuck the music industry. I'm getting my education. And she's still making money from music because she still has over 2 million monthly followers from her songs from 2012. Yeah, no, she still makes bank. She was yeah. in movies. She was in, well, she was, she was Teddy Duncan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yep. I, like, that girl is crazy. But yeah, I was just really... I was like, oh my God, that really says Bridget Mendler as the top three artists. I'm proud of it. <laughs> you should be. Who is your number one? SZA. Good for, that's a good one too. Yeah, second year in a row for SZA and Bridget. So. Did, as Bridget in number three? Uh, she last? I think Bridget was probably lower last year. So she Drake was second, which honestly surprised me. I didn't think I listened to that much Drake, but now I'm kind of ashamed. <laughs> Um, well, mine, I share with my brother on the same account. So it does the rap for like both of us. Oh, but he listens to music like all the time. And I don't listen to music a lot. Um, so they're pretty much all his artists. Oh, that makes sense. And all of his. Who would your copy? My copy, Zach Bryan. Oh, (laughs) Dude, his concert tickets are like four hundred dollars. I know, <laughs> I know. So it's bad. crazy. It's it's awful. But my top would definitely be Zach Bryan. Hey, driver, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in a fight with God. That's staying in the podcast. That is not getting edited out. Everyone, that is Serena singing. Hey, driver. <laughs> That's when he goes Michael Trotter Jr. <laughs> yeah. So. This was awesome. Thank you, Franny. I miss you so much. I miss you too. I had such a great time. I think that was a great episode and I appreciate it so much. Love you. I love you too. (laughs) Goodbye.